Hi friends, join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Hi guys, welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Today we are talking about season four, episode 20, The Yoko Factor. And technically this episode is a part one, which I didn't know until they got to the very end of the episode and they were like, <laughs> same, continuing like, or whatever. And I was like, what? I don't remember this being a part one. And this season is a little bit different because this episode is technically kind of the first part of the two-part finale because the 22nd episode is technically not the season finale in the, in the context of normal finales that we've had in the past couple of seasons. And we'll get there. It's very different. But technically, this is supposed to be the first part of the finale, um, which is just weird on so many levels. And we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, but also, this season has had a lot of part ones and part twos. And frankly, oh, yeah. I find them to be somewhat unnecessary in some ways, except for the faith ones. Like, for instance, Hush and Doomed are technically like part one and part two. Isn't what? that weird? Yeah. I feel like for some reason to like overcompensate for the fact that no one was watching this season. <laughs> they like were trying to like make it seem like oh, there's going to be another interesting episode or something. But in all reality, it was just like a like a small storyline carries over. Yeah. Watch the whole story or the whole season is like part 22. So we're on part 20 right now because they're like, just wait, guys, just wait. Part 21 is going to be so It's going to get good, better. I promise Adam's going to just blow your mind. It's going to be amazing. We're like, listen, you've had all season long and we don't care. But okay, before I forget, before I forget, because I've been really awful the past like five episodes that we've had guests, we have a guest with oh, us yeah. today. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just the fourth member that's just really quiet, and I just never say that. <laughs> we just gaslight everyone. We're like, yeah, and our, um, Chrissy, what do you think? And everyone's like, wait. Our fourth sister, Chrissy, joining yeah. us yeah. here today. <laughs> we have Chrissy known to you guys over on Instagram as Bangel's Playground. The last time that Chrissy was on with us was Lover's Walk with Leia um, back in season three. And she's been over on Investigating Angel, I think, for what episode was that? It was the one that Spike came on. Oh, In the Dark. Um, and originally Leia was supposed to be on here with us, but due to scheduling conflicts, she had to bow out and stuff. So we have Chrissy though, which is really fun because I, other than Leia, I think Chrissy might be the number one Bangel stan uh, in the world. <laughs> True. So I'm really excited to have her with us. I will go down with that ship. I, you know, I'm Bangel's playground, anything, everything. I love them. I'm excited to talk about this episode, not necessarily for the Adam stuff, but I will say the Adam stuff does start to ramp up. We have some great conversations. We have some really interesting conversations. I want to know your guys' takes on a few choice mm -hmm. scenes. So yeah, let's jump in. All right. Written by Douglas Petrie and aired May 9th, 2000. Uh, the Yoko Factor 
It was the title refers to Yoko Ono, blamed by many for the Beatles breakup. Spike acts as the Yoko factor, sowing dissension within the Scooby gang. Also, when Spike asks Adam if he has ever listened to the Beatles and Adam answers that he likes Helter Skelter, Spike remarks that he is not surprised, which is probably a reference to Charles Manson and his murders, because Manson believed that the Beatles had hidden messages directed at him and named his killing spree Helter Skelter. So there's like a lot of layers there. Summer <laughs> was definitely a little fanboy when he created this script. That was definitely a, a one percenter joke, which is just basically all the jokes in Gilmore Girls. If you break down five minutes of Lorelai speaking, there are about like seven one percent jokes where it's like only one percent of the universe gets it because it's the super niche thing. That's what right. that was. Because I would yeah. I would never know that. Yep. Um also the title of this episode, it refers to Yoko Ono, but um, Yoko Ono's son. Uh, so Yoko Ono had a son with John Lennon. Uh, their son, his name, Sean, he actually appeared on this show performing live music at the Bronze huh? in When She Was Bad. So you guys remember Sugar Water by Chibo Mato? It's the song that Buffy walks in all like sexily and does a sexy oh, dance she with Xander. Oh, have a sexy no dance with Xander. Way. Really? So yep. technically, Buffy is like, intertwined with the Beatles. Yeah. Technically, there yeah. you go. <laughs> like two degrees from the Beatles, which is kind of crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Hmm. So next time you watch that episode, look for Sean Lennon, Yoko Ono, and John what? Lennon's son. I think he's the one that's playing the keyboard, but I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and double check. So that's yeah, cool. crazy. All right. Uh, but back to this episode, which is not nearly as riveting as that uh, piece of information. So no, I'm just kidding. There's some good <laughs> stuff. A commentator for Critically Touched Reviews praised this episode, saying the successful payoff we've been waiting for all season, an extremely well-acted and potent argument scene at the end and great characterization. He describes some scenes as very funny and well-written and simply wonderful. Two reviewers for the BBC Buffy Review page said, this is what we've been waiting for. No, not the culmination of the initiative plot. Riley versus Angel. Mono a vampo. The five-star celebrity undeath match. It's all great fun. And a very cunning and different episode from Doug Petrie. Yes, Adam may still be a bit pants as a villain, but it's great seeing him and Spike plan to destroy Buffy by making her friends fight. Suddenly, all the little quirks of this season, Xander's jobs, Giles's drinking, Tara and Willow, all come together in a big, messy splat of a squabble. Magnificent stuff. It's also really great seeing Angel back in Buffy, even if it's just to see him pummeling and smirking at Riley. <laughs> Amen. And if there ever was a way to sum up the episode, I feel like case closed. I don't need to say anything else. That pretty much touched all the highlights right there. <laughs> oh, no. He didn't talk about Adam. He he. <laughs> there's still some things to say. <laughs> yeah. The highlights, Tabby. The highlights. <laughs> That's all the people care about. Yeah, yeah, right. Which is so funny because this episode, it, it, it attempts to tie together all the bits and pieces of the season, you know, the main arc and then all the stuff that's been happening. And while it's not completely successful, it is still a highly entertaining episode. Giles and Xander struggle with feeling useless and irrelevant. Willow is feeling insecure about her use of magic and is sensitive about her new relationship with Tara. And Buffy struggles with feeling alone. Um, it is so interesting to me, and we will talk about this in more detail later on, but it's interesting that Angel is included in this episode, and this is the episode that shows how divided the Scoobies are and how alone Buffy feels, which I think is mm -hmm. really interesting. Um, 
Oh, I'll put this down. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking about this. Um, it also it is the very end of the season, and they're bringing Angel in. I know they're trying to wrap up everything from season three and all that stuff, but normally at this part of the season, you would be trying to really push your main villain and trying to do all that stuff. And the fact that Angel is such a central part of this episode shows how central he still is in Buffy's life and even integral to the show of Buffy. Um, And I know it's not intentional, but they really are not helping their case for Buffy and Riley by contrasting him with Angel in this episode. It just, Riley comes off looking so not great. He looks stupid. It's what he looks like in several scenes. Yes. And I normally I ask guests why they chose this episode, but I don't think you guys need to like I don't think I need to ask. We know why Chrissy's here. You just know I'm here for the angel thirst. I'm here to watch him beat the crap out of Riley and you know, and watch Riley just be jealous. Like Angel's a bad oh he's daddy. Okay. Yes, he's a baddie. All right, so Mark Field talks about how the Scoobies are disintegrating, and so is the initiative. Two, I say in quotations, family groups, if you will. The fact that both families disintegrate and that Adam very deliberately sets about causing that disintegration for both of them tells us that this is an important consequence of society's forced normalty. By acceding to the pressure from society to conform, we end up abandoning the things that are not just important, but critical to our ability to function as authentic individuals. This season has an all about identity. Um, but it's also been a lot of contrasting, even like parenting philosophies. You're watching Maggie Walsh versus Giles. Giles is advocating for letting kids experiment and explore and seek their independence. And Maggie Walsh is all about no, like control their environment and force them to grow up in a certain way. And so we're watching that come to a head. Um, and I will talk more about that in a few minutes. So man, we were talking about this before we were recording, but this episode was just like all over the map and I feel like it just feels like a wholly different episode as soon as Angel pops up because mm-hmm. I realize how I have to get through like literally the first half of the episode before any of the fun stuff happens so you got this I guess we'll go straight into the initiative with the new commander and I love how he's talking to like this like someone over like video chat but not video chat because this is 2000 um, and he's like de- debriefing yeah. him based on everything that's happening and I love how the guy's like Riley isn't the soldier everyone thought he was and he thinks too much and the guy's like okay that sounds great we need him back right away and the, <laughs> the guy doesn't even like argue him on him he's like he seems like he's too scared but then they also mentioned that they know who Buffy is but then kind of completely skirt over the fact that she's a slayer. That doesn't make any sense to me. When they have all of those files. Don't they just like call her a girl or something? They're like, oh, she's just a girl. Like, eh. Well, yeah, it's interesting because there was actually a lot more in the script. So after Colonel McNamara says she's just a girl, Ward, the guy who he's talking to over video chat, says... This would be the girl who broke into the complex, liberated Finn and an HST, and walked you out of the place at gunpoint. And then it says he checks his file. Oh, no, I'm wrong. Crossbow point. And then Colonel McNamara says, you want me to bring her in? I'd be. And then Ward says, no, any action against her would send Finn over the edge. We're still Mm. hoping he'll come around. Colonel McNamara says he's a deserter. Ward says he's a resource. And I doubt very much he's going to present a real danger to the initiative just because he's gone swoony for some young radical. She is, as you say, 
just a girl, which doesn't make any sense because this girl trained with the initiative, got a security mm-hmm. clearance, so she should be in their database. And she was enough of a threat that Maggie had like tried to have her killed. So they've got to have something on her, you know? Yeah. But didn't they train and everyone knew she was a slayer? Yeah, because she like wiped out their yeah. guys and like lost them at one point. It's just yeah. so frustrating that the writing this season just really did not care about like being Nuance. consistent. Yeah, but it was also just like I feel like Joss Whedon and a lot of the other writers on most of their seasons really cared about like being um, consistent. But this season, they just kind of forgot so many little things. Yeah, they really did. And I think they made their villains far too mustache twirly and one-dimensional to the point where, like, I I understand what they're going for. They're trying to be like, oh, these guys are all misogynistic. It's, again, a metaphor for going against the patriarchy and feminism and stuff. But it's not realistic because very, very few people are this outwardly misogynistic. I'm not going to say that there isn't that because there definitely are those people. But the majority of people who are sexist are subtly sexist and it's microaggressions and small little things. And so it's like, let the, the show has shown us that they can make more nuanced and more believable villains. Look at Angel, look at Angelus, look at the mayor. Like they've done a really, really good job of creating these compelling villains that you actually kind of like and you maybe might see their point but you still understand and recognize that they're evil and with these these guys are just not even compelling in the least you're not even really afraid of them either because you're just like oh Buffy yeah and it's just like I don't know they just weren't they didn't have that off tone you know what I mean yeah no I Mm -hmm. know exactly what you mean they're so boring so fun conversation we go into the tunnels tunnels sewers tomb wherever this is with spike and adam <laughs> to be honest looks like the same backdrop every time but i still don't understand where they are because there's like direct <laughs> light in there <laughs> and then there's like dripping sounds behind <laughs> i'm confused yeah, the, the script just says spike or uh adam's lair so i don't i think the script <laughs> even knows where he's at <laughs> underground that's what they're saying <laughs> um so spike is kind of much like the last conversation, kind of debriefing um, Adam based on who Buffy is compared to other Slayers. Um, and he also tells him, hey, like, I, like, KO'd two other Slayers. And Adam's like, well, well, why are you scared of this one? And we're like, hmm, Spike, yeah, why are you scared of this one? <laughs> interesting, interesting. And I, I was like, this is just goes to show the difference between an interesting character and a really vanilla bland boring character because even when spike was sitting there and being like kind of like hyping up adam as a villain i was like starting to believe him i was like wait maybe adam isn't that bad i was like <laughs> yeah like maybe he has some points and then i was like no that's just because james mars marsters i always want to say marston because they have the same name jury duty <laughs> i okay i want to though i keep seeing clips on tiktok Caps, it looks so it. good it's so good anyway um, sometimes I think I have ADHD. Maybe I should get it. <laughs> I think you do after that. I think For real. <laughs> anyway. There's um, a funny part of the script. There's actually several very funny parts uh, cut out. So after uh, Spike says, um, you're going to be interestingly dead. Little Miss Tiny's got a habit of bollocksing up the plans of every would-be unstoppable badass who steps foot in this town. There's a 
line of atoms. And he says, then we must ascertain the nature of this variable. And then Spike goes, yeah, well, I was told there wouldn't be any math. Um, at the end of this conversation, basically what we got out of it is the fact that Spike says the difference between this layer is the fact that she thinks on her feet and is um, ahead of them, but then also has her friends as her biggest support mm-hmm. system and allies. So that's the biggest difference. Yeah. And I, to your point that you made earlier, Tabs, about having Spike as his Adam's lackey and kind of making Adam interesting for like mm-hmm. or semi-interesting for the first time ever. It's so interesting because I don't know why they didn't do this sooner because they had yeah. that guy, I think his name was like Jape or something as his lackey. And he's just kind of disappeared. Like we were done seeing him. And I I think that having Spike be this this lackey was the best thing they could have done for both Spike and for Adam. But it's also really interesting too, because we talked about back in the episode, the initiative, how they kind of were making parallels between Riley and Spike's journey with Riley kind of floundering um, with being out of the initiative and then Spike being chipped. And then the whole idea of um, operative conditioning for both of them. And we're seeing those parallels pop up again in this episode. Um, with Spike joining Adam. And at the end of the episode, it's inferred that Riley is going to try and join Adam. So it's kind of interesting how they're kind of, they're, they're paralleling them. And we're almost led to believe that Riley joining Adam, if that is what he is doing, that it's out of frustration that he can't be the soldier he used to. It's out of frustration that like he's watching Forrest get killed and stuff. And even though Adam's the one that's doing it, he's over there like I'm feeling useless. I'm feeling like I have nowhere to go, especially after seeing Angel come into town and completely kick his mm. butt. Um, just like Spike is frustrated that he can't be the vampire he used to be. And so they're hinting that like Spike is saying, hey, I'll help you, Adam, if you can take my chip out and basically make a, make me who I was before. Is Riley going to do the same thing and say to Adam, hey, can you make me who I was before? Because we know he's not, he he's, doesn't have access to those drugs that made him a super soldier before. So yeah, it's just interesting. It makes way more sense in this episode for both characters to kind of go to Adam. Yes. But when it happened like two episodes of Spike, I was like, huh? Yeah. So yeah, this makes a lot more sense. I actually disagree. I think that Spike, like, <laughs> sorry, what? Go just ahead, go Leah. Straight. <laughs> no, I just mean like, I think that the this is the like storyline that makes the most sense for Spike this whole season. I love that yes. they have Spike in this season, but let's be honest, the real reason they keep him in this season is because they know that there's so much change in the season, and having a consistent person who gets ratings was a smart choice yes spike was easy to keep the audience intrigued and it works spike holds up a big majority of season four but like the plot lines they use to keep him in season four (laughs) with the exception of the chip um really uh, you really got to use your imagination for it like we're suddenly supposed to believe that like Spike cares about money and like things like that. And like, it's just, it kind of works, but it only works because you know, you want Spike around. Whereas like Spike actually making practical steps to get rid of the chip and like using his in with the Scoobies to kind of like get an edge is the most Spike like storyline we get. 
in the whole series or the whole season. Poor sad Buffy comes back from LA in the same clothes that she was in in Sanctuary. Um, comes back into the dorm, sees that Willow isn't there, lies down, and then seemingly falls asleep. Then we see that Riley and Xander are kind of been camping out together in the old burnt up high school. Um, and this scene, I just, even if Xander thought that Riley knew everything about essentially Buffy's and Angel's sex life. This has nothing to do with him trying to help him out by talking about this thing. It's like, why are we talking about this with her current boyfriend when Buffy's not there to speak for herself? I just have this huge rule of thumb in general. First of all, I try my best not to gossip if it's like someone else's business. If someone's doing horrible things, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, if you're gonna be crappy, like, (laughs) I'm gonna be talking about it most of the time. Um, But like, if... If somebody, if this is someone's personal information about their body, about like stuff that's incredibly intimate, like you never, ever, ever, ever be the person to talk about that. And yeah. especially when they're not in the room, you know? Well, like I, I, I kind of see, and I know it's Xander, but I kind of see like why he may have thought that she told him everything, you know? But still, like, he should have, like, let Riley lead the conversation and not just jumped in and was like, oh, you know. But also, it's just, like, to to use, like, them having sex as a way to, like, almost, like, dehumanize her judgment and just be like, Mm. oh, well, because they had sex, she acts irrational because they were in love or because they dated or anything it's always oh because they had sex that's what makes Buffy irrational when he's around like it's just so grotesque and I feel like they got hyper fixated like as soon as Riley found out that it was sex it was like very like hyper focused on oh and then he's all it was both I'm pretty sure it was boneless but it's just like do you not have faith in your girlfriend that she's not going to go see an ex and lay down and sleep with him like do you not have any faith in that relationship whatsoever yeah I think it's just messy because Xander very obviously wanted someone to talk crap with him about Angel and Mm -hmm. he starts out with what did Buffy tell you and then Riley like goes in and tells all the stuff and to be fair there are important bits missing but Okay, and this might be controversial. I'm curious to know your guys' thoughts. I don't think Buffy was in the wrong for not telling him all the nitty-gritty details. She told him Me the neither. important That's her business. Too. That's yeah. her business when she tells him, why she tells him. Like, everything with Angel was so convoluted. He knew that Buffy had an ex. He knew the major points. Like, yeah. And I feel like the stuff with Buffy and Angel, like, the re- I think another reason she did not tell him everything is because there's a lot of trauma there, like a whole lot totally. of trauma that she does not want to like unload yet. And so I can see why she kept that like super close to her chest. But also it's your boyfriend. Do you really want to say, yeah, if I sleep with him, it makes this and this. It, it, in her mind, she's trying to move past Angel. And so if she mm-hmm. is actually doing that, she's going to go, that's in the past. It's not relevant to what I'm telling you. What is relevant, you need to know that, like, this happened in my life and it was traumatic and it was hard. Mm-hmm. And so when I go to see this person or whatever, there's going to be, there's going to, I'm, I'm going to feel a certain way when I get back. And okay. And this is something we talked about this on our episode over on Sanctuary last week. 
um, Leia and I were really frustrated by a lot of conversations that were happening off screen with Angel and Faith, in, in particular about what Faith did to Buffy over on season four. And because we as the audience are not privy to these conversations, we're left to fill in the blanks and we're we're going to just assume that Angel doesn't know all 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 of what happened. And so Angel kind of comes across as unsympathetic at times. Here, we didn't see Riley and Buffy having a conversation about Angel. So we're left to kind of fill in the blanks with a lot of things. And that was a crucial conversation we probably should have seen on screen. And it makes me really frustrated that the writers continue to have all these things off screen after what, four episodes of Buffy telling Riley, oh no, let's not communicate. No, let's not talk about this. Like, let's just dance or whatever. And it's- yeah. It would have been nice uh, to see them actually communicate. Yes. To actually have yes. a talk. Yeah. yeah. Right. And like, like kind of going back to what you're saying too, this is not just a normal talking about the ex, talking about yeah. past stuff. Like, like, Sometimes there are key people in your life that are directly correlated to your biggest traumas. And sometimes you have not fully wrapped your head around your trauma yet. And speaking about it is not it's it's harmful for you mentally at that time or emotionally. So I, yeah. I'm I'm so with you, Sarah. Like sometimes it takes a long time for you to be able mm -hmm. to like even work up the courage to talk about something and it has nothing to do with you not trusting the person. It's could be that with some people, but also could be the fact that you're not ready. Um, it could be the fact that you're just like, oh, we're not in that part of our relationship yet. Like wh whatever it is, or you just physically can't talk about it yet. Like there's mm -hmm. lots of factors that go into that. And what bugs me about this episode is the fact that Riley just assumes the worst immediately and acts like a freaking bitch the entire episode. Like yeah. he is so insecure about everything. Yeah. Well, right. Both, both the guys are at their worst, honestly, in this episode. Xander should not have said what he said. And yeah. he, it felt like a becoming part two thing again all over. I, I think that before Xander went in, Riley was like trying to give some props to Angel. I will give him that. He says, to be fair, it's not him you hate. It's the curse. And so he's trying to kind of throw a bone to Angel, trying to understand what Buffy has told him. And then Xander takes that and doesn't he gives him a look of like mm, that's not the case and so then Riley is like wait what what you know um no I think like and Xander's problem is too like if you think about it so like Riley is like the new boyfriend Angel's the ex and like when you hate someone you want someone else to hate that person with you and I think that's yeah. another thing Xander was doing like trying to like what is that called? Hate bond, basically. Like we both hate yeah. the same person. Like let's yeah. bond. Yeah. Like I think that was part of it too. All right, we're at Giles's house. Giles is singing for what feels like three minutes, but I don't care. I'm basking in it. Um, <laughs> and then Spike, like for real, for real, scares him. Like like Anthony heads acting. I was like, dang, I would have like, because you know how like sometimes actors will be sitting there and you could tell that they know that they're supposed to act scared in like a second and their body kind of gears up towards it. And you just know like this was a really good. He's really good with scares like in Halloween. Yeah. He did a really good job. I believe his scares. It's funny how the show was like, hey. I've got a great idea on how we can increase our views because, you know, they're kind of lagging. <laughs> yeah. Let's just have Giles sing again. And in case everyone isn't aware of how Giles is feeling, let's give him a song that explicitly spells out how he feels unwanted and unsure of his plans in Sunnydale. Like, the writers are just milking this for all it's worth. But you know what? It's okay because 
Anthony Stewart Head has a phenomenal voice. Watch, this is the highest rated or viewed episode in the Buffyverse because the like three minutes of him singing. You know how like in a like a blockbuster or whatever, people would like rent back like movies or TV shows and then it would always be like pause at one spot. It's like very worn in the middle of like the the VHS for this one spot in this episode. People kept yep. rewinding. <laughs> Um, so Spike comes in and like goes straight towards the fridge and grabs his blood and just starts microwaving it. Why did um, Giles leave blood still in his uh, his fridge? I refuse to believe that Giles doesn't open his fridge and cook and stuff. It's just funny. Oh, to he me that for he's sure like, is a cooker. Yeah. He's like, let's yes. leave this for Spike. No, he would have thrown that out. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, oh my word. I will say the 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 writing that they give Spike specifically with each character was very, very well done. It felt very mm-hmm. natural and nuanced. It didn't feel like he was like probing. It was like the cert- like smallest amount for each character that like stuck some things in their head that was very, I keep saying natural, but it was very natural. No, I agree with you. Um, James Marsters is too good at being charming and the writers are way too good at being manipulative, honestly. They really are. That's so true. And I love how, like, it was smart about this conversation. He's like, hey, like, I have some information, but I won't tell you because it's super secret. Kind of making him feel like he's, like, no longer the Watcher. Makes some comments about how, like, Buffy never really listened to him anyway when he was, like, in charge. Um, and then he kind of, like, make, making it seem like this is a real foolproof plan that he has to go into the initiative and get, like, real files based on Adam. Um He's like, oh, like, in order for me to do this, I need all these things from you. Like, I need blood. I need, like, money. I need to not be slain. I feel like that's a very, very well thought out plan because to them, they're thinking, oh, he's, like, risking a lot to go into the initiative. And I was like, dang, good big brain Spike over here. I feel like that's, like, spot on for Spike, though, because, like, we see him in um, Becoming when he is making deals with Buffy and he's like, hey, like, me and Drew get out. And mm-hmm. she's like, she killed Kendra. Like, you know what I mean? So if Giles dies, like, he's always, like, making deals with people to, what's that called, like, further his what he means to get what he means yeah yeah and i think leah has mentioned this before too and like we all know that spike is incredibly aware of other people's emotions and what's going on like he's intuitive when it comes to like what's going on around him because he's he's selfish and so he's constantly trying to figure out the best way to get himself somewhere to get what he wants and stuff. And so he uses people and he's been watching these things happen with the Scooby gang. And he's been watching, like he was there with Giles in a new man. So he knows exactly which buttons to push. And it's honestly brilliant that they had him with Adam. Like, I frankly don't know why they didn't have him with Adam sooner. Like they were missing a lot. Well, and then Spike was not really doing much this season. So like, why did they just put this in earlier? You know, it works a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. I think the writers honestly didn't think about it until they were like, why are we writing? Like, oh, stupid. And yeah, then like, they why fire someone because. This one <laughs> random vampire guy that nobody cares about when we could have had Spike this entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay. So in Tara's room, we have Tara and Willow got a little kitty fantastico together. How cute. Oh, no more puppy dogs, I guess. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I was like having a cat. Yeah, for real. Well, in New Moon Rising, though, we were talking about how Willow was like, I'm not really a cat person. And then she's like hugging dogs and all that stuff to show that she's conflicted between Oz and Willow. So like, I think the cat is supposed to be, which is like right on the nose, it's supposed to be a metaphor for being a lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) 
They're like really trying to like get um around those uh yeah like Willow's TV guidelines right now. Like, Tara's cat. <laughs> wait, are you allowed to say pussy? Yeah, you oh, can okay, say pussy. Okay, 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 okay. Oh. We don't have censors. Oh. <laughs> I thought you meant on the on the TV at the time. I was like, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, but that's I think that's yeah. the metaphor that's going on here, which is hilarious. She honestly. loves Tara's pussy. That's basically yeah. what they're trying to say. But putting the cat I think there. that is what they're trying to say. <laughs> yes, putting the cat there. Miss Kitty Fantastico. Yep. <laughs> but it's like you're supposed to like dogs, but then like who knows if you end up like someone around you has a cat, you get a cat, you realize it might be a cat person. Who knows? You know? Okay, so with this scene, I I will say I felt like Willow's arc in or I guess Willow's storyline in this episode was the one that made the least amount of sense for Spike to manipulate. Um, I understand that Willow is feeling a little bit like everything feels fresh and new and she's a little insecure about everything with Tara. But the last episode that we had, Willow came out to Buffy and they had a fantastic conversation. Buffy was supportive. And we also had uh Buffy doing everything humanly possible and all the Scoobies to help Willow rescue Oz and they were surrounding her and helping her all this stuff. And all of a sudden in this episode, supposedly Willow and Buffy have been going two separate ways. Like I don't buy it. No, I, I 100% agree. I feel like it either they shouldn't have had that conversation with Buffy and Willow so that you kind of understood more so where Willow was coming from. Or they should have given us more, like, to mm-hmm. show that they were at odds with each other or separated. Because, honestly, I feel like Willow and Buffy are more connected than some of the other people are right now. No, I feel like Buffy and Willow are, like, more close than she is with Xander now. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I'm, like. And it might well, be he even says that later. Yeah. They're yeah, closer, closer to each other than they were at the beginning of the season. Yeah, that's Yes, true. that's what I was going to yeah. say. If this had happened at the beginning of the season, I would have believed it because we didn't see Willow very much because she mm-hmm. was off doing her own thing. But then Oz left and we started seeing far more of Buffy and Willow together. So this makes no sense to me. Yeah. I think that I, – yeah. I think it's one of those things where um, there is a drift in a friendship and then things get mended. But then as soon as somebody mentions, like, Buffy could have said something or their friend could have whatever, like, it's like this is a feeding into the insecurity. So in your brain, you're thinking, you start gaslighting yourself. You're like, maybe you weren't, we aren't as close. Like, you're kind of, like, viewing back to how your friendship was. So this works for me. I don't think it's the reality in their friendship. Yeah. I mean, it's just believable enough with the sense that everything's new with Tara and Willow's probably, she hasn't come out to her friends yet. She's very insecure about her relationship with Tara. So that works too. too. Yeah. But Spike is able to manipulate Buffy and Willow's relationship a little bit too easily, in my opinion, after, you know, I mean, I know Willow's like, Buffy's freaked. Buffy is freaked and all that other stuff like that. Willow's, it is just feeding into Willow's insecurity and not actually what's happening, but still it just felt a little odd to me. Um, so Riley comes and wearing his parachute pants. I'm like, please. <laughs> swish, swish, swish as he walks in. <laughs> they did him so dirty. <laughs> no, we're really not helping him this episode when he's already acting like a freaking idiot. Um, and he's like already on the defense. Like, for real, can you hear her out first? Like, my goodness. 
I understand. This is my only thing I'm going to say about Riley this episode that I think I understand. If my significant other came back from talking to their ex and was like seemingly not wanting to talk about it right away, I would be insecure. But like if she was like, we'll talk about later, I'm just like, you know, whatever. If she was putting up some boundaries, I would wait as much as it would suck. I would wait and see what she says after that. I would feel insecure about it. But it's like the fact that he's like on the defense immediately. The fact that he just assumes that she slept with Angel and they're getting back together is a whole different thing. I'd be more, I'd be more like hurt than my significant other. It doesn't want to talk to me about it, and I'd be like a little bit secure about it. But I wouldn't just immediately be like, "She's leaving me." They're getting yeah. married. I agree, Tabby. That that was my issue. Is it's not the fact that Riley feels a certain way about Buffy having had slept with Angel. It's the fact that it's immediately like either aggressive or just like insecure. It's it's not mm. like a conversation with her of like, this hurt me. Like I wish you told me. That I would have been like totally makes sense. It's the fact that like he's so quick to be like, oh like you're leaving me for him. Like it's like I, it's just no one ever communicates with Buffy the way that she deserves. Like, they're all just so quick to accuse. Okay, I don't think it helped either. Like, he was already feeling subconscious a little bit about it. And then I think him talking to Xander made it ten times worse than what it really would have been if he didn't talk to her. Talk to him. Um, I think it wouldn't have been as escalated, I guess. Um, but I think Xander kind of hyped things up for him. Oh yeah, totally. But that doesn't negate Riley's responsibility no. to go to his girlfriend and like, and which it seems like he's going to do in this, in this episode. And yes, like Tabby said, I would be a little bit like, oh, okay. My girlfriend's like shook up, like what's going on. But the way that he's asking, are you okay? And how, tell and me. all this other stuff. It's all like, I already know the answer. Mm-hmm. So like, do you have something to tell mm-hmm. me? Like, are you okay? And it just, I was he like, sold why? Riley. He crosses his arms. He's like spread eagle. Like, I just can't. Why would you, why would you expect your girlfriend to open up to you? If you're going to act this way, you're going to be combative. And then, okay, honestly, it was triggering. At the very end, okay, so Buffy is pretty open with, with Riley. She says, he spun my head a little, I assure you. It's not that big of a deal. And she says it's not that interesting. And then she says, Angel just kind of upset me. She's well within her right to say all of these things. She's not being, she's not withholding information because she doesn't want to tell him. She's she just doesn't feel like talking about it at this moment. And then Riley, he's pushing her to open up when she's not quite ready, which is a consistent pattern of him. He did this in Doomed. And mm-hmm. She's being completely honest with how she's feeling in the moment. And she might, she doesn't feel comfortable about talking about Angel with Riley, probably due to the fact that Riley has shown to be insecure about this topic before in the past. Well, but also Um, it's fresh. It's new. Totally. She shouldn't have to talk about it right now. Like there's just learn, like a big part of relationships is learning that different people communicate and deal Mm -hmm. with stuff in different ways at different times. And if your relationship Mm -hmm. is going to work and going to be healthy, you need to understand how that other person processes and communicates and give them the time and space that they need. Yeah. And don't sit there and start making it about yourself. Like then he goes, all right, well, I'm going to get out of your face. I wouldn't want to talk to me with these pants. He starts to get kind of manipulative again. He says, tell you what, why don't I get out of your face? You had a long trip. That could be 
uh, hey, I'm going to get out of your face. But the way that Riley communicates it is it makes it sound like it's a you problem. It's a Buffy problem. And then when, if Buffy were to call him out on his tone of voice, he would gaslight her and say, you're getting on me for nothing. I said that I was going to let you alone when we all clearly know his tone means something else. So it just felt like Riley just had a giant attitude this entire episode. And I don't know. Anyway, it just makes me angry. Toxic masculinity at its finest in this episode, for real. I'm not talking about yeah. Angel. I loved his pettiness in this Angel episode. Angel could never <laughs> be toxic. Not Angel. <laughs> <laughs> not you. I wasn't talking about you, guys. You know that sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not you. You're perfect. <laughs> um. Okay, in Spike's crypt, we have Xander dropping off clothes so he can sneak into the initiative and gives him a fake gun to which he can't even aim at people, which is really funny. Anya's drinking in and out. Woohoo. Can I say oh, I didn't something? Even that. The chemistry between the three of them, I wanted more. Like, yeah, it was pretty good. I loved it. I loved it. It was so, yeah. like, Anya's, I think Anya's really good at her comedic timing, like how she says things, but just mm-hmm. her, Spike and Xander, shut the <laughs> yeah, that was great. Okay, I have a question for you guys. So the 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 big lie that Spike tells Xander is like, oh, we think you're gonna join the military, mm-hmm. which is like, wait, where'd that come from? That was really random. But I I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but Tabby, I think you and I have talked about this in Leah as well. I really, really wish that Xander had joined the initiative for season four and we would have seen him have a an arc that's similar to Riley's and that he finally finds somewhere that he feels like he belongs. He feels like he can actually contribute to the gang. He's a soldier because he, you know, he really enjoyed that soldier experience back in season two that we will forever hear about. Um, I think that it would have been really compelling, especially, especially if you coupled that with Maggie staying around. And then now Maggie would also influence, um, uh, Xander, as well as Riley, Buffy, and Giles and Willow. And I just feel like that was a huge missed opportunity. And I really wish that Xander would have been in there. I want one more storyline for Xander, though. Like, yay for him, but like, not for me. I don't know. Like, I feel like Xander would have, and I mean, this is just me, like, whatever. I think he would have changed his loyalties a little bit because he hates demons. And I think he would have been like, Buffy, you don't know, like kind of like a Miss French type thing when he was like, you guys don't really know her. Like, I think he would have just like swapped sides. I honestly think he would have. I think so too. And imagine if he decided to be like, hey, um, I agree with the initiative because I hate demons. And then you have a little bit of a rub between Riley or Xander and Buffy and then Riley might be caught in the middle or something mm-hmm. like I think it would have been really interesting it would have made more sense than Buffy joining the initiative Amen. yeah and yep. it would have been it would have given Riley something else to do especially because of the friendship between Riley and Xander I just think that was a huge missed opportunity oh ah! guys I forgot about this I was so excited Forest dies oh no seen... Forest dies <laughs> Never mind, guys. This episode is an A plus from me. 10 out of 10. <laughs> what a useless character. Well, okay, they don't maybe they don't need force anymore because now they're gonna actually show us how much Riley sucks. Now that Riley's actually saying awful things and uh-huh. doing awful things, they're like, we don't need force to represent him anymore. It's just not comparative done. to Forrest. Yeah. Riley has now assimilated to his, his shadow side. <laughs> Honestly, thank God. I've never been more grateful than when he freaking died. The spirit of Forrest <laughs> just went inside of Riley's body. 
Yes. But also, like, of course, like, his, he feels demasculated as soon as Buffy's, like, kicking Adam's ass. And she's like, leave. And he's like, no, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm like, okay, well, then you died. All right, sorry. That's your fault. You could have left. Interestingly, the blaster that Buffy is holding is the one that the same one that Maggie gave her, the deep, the the faulty one, and that's the one that Riley fixes up for her later on. And it's super interesting, given the whole family metaphor, that Buffy is now pointing this blaster that uh, Forrest's surrogate mother gave to her when Buffy was supposedly a part of the initiative, a part of the family, and yet that family was the one that backstabbed Buffy first. So when Forrest is over here going, our family is falling apart because of you. This is a subtle reminder that no, it's not because of Buffy, that Maggie Walsh and the initiative started this first. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, okay, but on to Forrest. So I think it's really, really sad that Forrest dies and then we forget all about it because Angel appears. <laughs> like I forgot oh. Forrest died in this episode until Buffy had to bring it up to Riley again. I was like, oh yeah. Forrest I don't care. Like that TikTok. Bye, Rocco. Uh-huh. Oh no, so sad. <laughs> Bye, Rocco. <laughs> and also, okay, so Forrest saying this whole thing to Buffy, you think you're the first girlfriend Riley's ever had. Riley had a career. He had a future till he met you. And yeah, I got a problem with that. Okay. So either Riley thinks too much or not at all. Because at the very beginning of the episode, they were like, yeah, that boy thinks too much. And then over here, Forrest is like, Buffy thinks for you. And you threw everything away for Buffy. And it's like, okay, either Riley is listening to Buffy and letting her call all the shots and changing his entire life because of her and what what she thinks and believes, or he's making these decisions on his own. You can't have it both ways. Boring, boring. Yay, Adam or Forrest dies. Okay, but I will say Adam's face when he absorbs the electricity made me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought we were going to skirt past that one, but okay, let's bring her right back. All okay. Right. No, but someone <laughs> tell me. Someone tell me that I'm not alone in that because I was like, what is this? Everything <sighs> about Adam gives me the ick. He's so uncomfortable to watch. I'm dead. Okay. Back at Giles' house, um, Spike comes in dressed like the initiative after working himself up <laughs> and throwing out his like cigarette. Um, he comes in, gives them discs that are clearly not going to give them any information, which is like, that's so mean. <laughs> Poor <woman. laughs> She's like, it's gibberish. Like- his best work, honestly, in this whole episode was giving them just like fake discs. And then he sits there and pressures her the entire time and makes subtle jabs. No That's wonder Willow completely no. folded. <laughs> For real. Poor Willow's like getting stress lines. All right, um, I take it back. Willow, th- Willow was completely justified in freaking <laughs> <For> out. <real. laughs> Imagine being stressed the whole episode. Yeah. She was so cute because he's like, he's like, didn't I say you were like a whiz? And she was like, I am a whiz. I know Tara's so supportive this whole episode. She's like, she's like, she is a whiz. And then and she's whenever, like and when like, when like a uh, Willow's getting like anxious and insecure about like, like her, Buffy's response to her coming out, like Tara doesn't automatically go straight in and is like, I can't believe this is not shocking that Buffy would do this. She goes like, maybe you should just talk to her. Yeah. Like, it's like, she's not trying to give her own input. She's just saying like, maybe like you should just go and talk to her. Maybe it's not what you think it is. Like just very like mature. I mean, that's what I always say about Tara, but she's just so like consistent and very like level-headed and emotionally intelligent. Mm. We all need a Tara. Tara yes. is honestly just – I would be friends with Tara. I'd be oh, in the bathroom absolutely. with her while everybody's arguing at the end of the episode. 
she's someone that you know you could like fully have a meltdown in front of and then see her and everything's so normal like i don't have people like that <laughs> like like it would be awkward and rightfully so but she's one of those people that's just like yeah it's it's cool <laughs> we're good I'm like, yeah that's good <laughs> so you see we see that spike kind of clocks um tara kind of like I don't even know what that would be called. Just like grabbing strands of her hair, caressing they're, it. Yeah, they're being intimate in a way that like just <laughs> casual friends wouldn't be. Totally. And the way that he kind of like writes the nuance as if people were like talking about something, but that went without like pinpointing what it is, but it could also be magic was very well yes. done. Like the into the new thing, mm-hmm. a phase you'll get over. Um, yeah. And- well, it's another example of the – masculine versus feminine through technology sure. and magic willow's no longer into the masculine the technology of computers she's into yeah. the feminine the magic which i thought was clever well and it could be like a slippery slope like there's lots of like yeah like uh metaphors that could work for both of them if in through seen through like a negative output obviously mm-hmm. So yeah, Buffy or Willow is a little bit freaked out. And then in the background of the last two scenes in the house, we see Giles like still drinking and it's been like hours. <laughs> Poor Giles. He's having a crisis. This whole season is just him building up to this moment. Also, did you guys notice that Tara's the one that is trying to tell Willow to talk to Buffy and Spike interjects because he doesn't want that. He doesn't want them yeah. talking to each other. And I was like, go Tara. We need more Taras with this friend group because the rest of them all have communication issues. I know. Tara sure. and like Buffy's relationship is like weirdly one of the only real friendships. Like Tara's quicker to believe Buffy like yeah, Buffy's intentions true. than most of Buffy's yeah. real friends. She hasn't even known her that long. She's observant. She's observant. That's why. Yeah, Tara's more willing to believe Buffy than Riley is at this point. Oh, Lord. For real. <laughs> That's because Tara's a girl's girl, though. And Riley yeah, is clearly. not. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah Tara's very much a girl's girl. Yeah, yeah. Tara's a girl's girl. <laughs> and, she okay, not in a sexual way, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then in the initiative, we have this random ass scene where all the monsters are like going buck wild in the cells. All right, cool. Skipping. <laughs> um, back to the high school, we have Riley hearing over like the radio that he patched in somehow into the initiative, um, hearing all of like the monsters going wild and then decides, I'm going to go help them. I'm like, okay, Riley gets all suited up, goes out into the street. And what do you know? We get Angel. Angel. Oh, this was such a great character entrance. The fact that the initiative is terrified and scared and they're like, help, help. We're being um, bombarded and attacked. And you're like, oh my gosh, what kind of demon is this? And then Riley going out and like clicking on the flashlight as we see someone fly by and it zooms in on Angel's face and he looks angry and you're just like, oh, Oh, daddy's home. (laughs) Yes. As much as I love it, it is really random like watching this episode i was like oh oh okay angels here like i just like was like forgot i will it, it say was though, going in one direction they they fit it into the episode weird but i'm so thankful they For took sure. the time to actually have angel come in because yes. we needed him yes. and buffy to have their their like reconnect I'm sorry, but this is such a, a Bangel core episode to me. They're not together, yeah. but they are together in this episode. Like, it's just I'm like, yes. Like, I forget that, like, her and Riley, he says I love you at the end of the episode. I'm like, yay, Angel and Buffy. <laughs> like, they're just so good together in this episode. Ah, soulmates. 
this is the crossover episode we, the entire Buffy fandom has been waiting for because Pangs was supposed to be a crossover episode. They didn't interact at all. And, you know, obviously we've had several episodes over on Angel, but for so much of the Buffy fandom watching this for the first time, this was the moment that they were all waiting for, especially if they didn't watch Angel. This This whole scene is toxic and it's petty. And um, it's so cheesy and it's so obviously knew what it was and it knew what the fans mm-hmm. wanted it. But I sit watching I it, it grinning <laughs> like a fool the entire time. <laughs> time. I was like, don't test me, boy. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, please, after he completely wails on him, he waddles away in the alleyway. I was like, guys, you're not helping the new love interest. It's so embarrassing that Riley even thought <laughs> That he stood a chance. Like, he really should have been like, yo, man, um, I think we could be buds. I think we could. Like, he didn't even try. Like, he was so confident he could take Angel. A demon. And I know, I know that Angel should not have been poking the bear like he did. But the whole, No, I like- think he definitely should have. <laughs> it was so deserved. It put Riley in his place Riley, so after good. After that fight, Riley should have just been like, so you cool with being brother husband because you should be my <laughs> Yeah, he's like, you could take her on holidays. I'll keep her the rest of the time. <laughs> so we split in custody with Buffy now. The fact that her ex-boyfriend has more, like, knowledge of her boundaries about their sex life that he could have thrown that in current boyfriend's face been like yeah she's my trigger to making (laughs) making me a literal demon and he didn't he's like i'm real happy to be in town he's like i hope i get real acquainted here in town it was so easy I just, and this is something we've seen in season four. I don't know if the writers actually like Riley because they're setting him up. And then in this episode, there's no way they do. If they did, (laughs) they are playing him. Like, there's no way the writers actually like Riley because they would have never done him like this. No, guys, I'm convinced because of his one line in the scene where he's like, where he goes, I surely do. Oh, Sarah, (laughs) you completely stepped on my toes there. (laughs) Bro, it's like medieval times. I surely do. Okay, Hillbilly. It's the Cowboys. Iowa. Okay, so... I'm going to read how they wrote it in the script. So it says, Angel rushes Riley, who's blocking the only way out. Riley whips out his telescoping metal baton to its full length, which is just a penis metaphor if ever I heard one. Sidesteps the attack and cracks Angel hard in the back of his skull. Angel whips around and full body smashes into Riley, sending the two of them plowing back into a load of garbage cans. Okay, but this fight, this scene, I... Again, I think the writers hate Riley. Riley gets smashed to the trash cans while Angel gets a majestic slow-mo jump with coattails flying <laughs> in the wind. <laughs> but also, he literally picks him up and yeets him twice. Not once. He runs twice. He runs with him in his arms. And Riley is taller than him. It's not even like he put up a good fight. Like, it was actually so embarrassing. So then Riley punches Angel, and the script says, which only makes him mad. It does nothing. It just makes him mad. It says Angel grabs Riley and rushes him hard into the brick wall, headbutts him. Riley's hands fall to his sides, sides lifeless. Angel just holds them there in an instant. Riley keeps trying to get punches in, and every time he does, Angel smacks his head against the door. <laughs> oh, it's just so my humiliating. Word. Honestly, Riley, a better outcome in this episode for Riley would have been if he died instead of Forrest. Instead of this, 
<laughs> okay, but also the contrast with this next scene. They're wailing each other. They're pummeling each other. And it's it's as entertaining as it is, it's stupid. Because then there's Buffy who's coming in after fighting Adam by herself, seeing her boyfriend's best friend die knowing that she can't do anything to stop it. And they, the script actually emphasizes how alone Buffy feels in this moment. They, they actually cut out a whole scene where Buffy is holding the phone and she's calling each member of the Scoobies trying to get a hold of them to ask for help and ask and saying, Hey, we need to get the gang together. Um, she even calls Tara and Tara doesn't answer. And so the script ends, it says, Buffy hangs up, looks at the phone, feeling lost and alone. Where is everybody? And then who shows up? Angel. Just want to point that out. He knew. He could feel it in his soulless testicles. That she <laughs> oh. <laughs> Angel's in LA and goes, ha ha, Buffy must need me. I must go. To the that's angel literally, Yeah, that's literally how I see it. Little testicles are aching. Buffy needs me. <laughs> it's like it's like Buffy from the the movies where she starts to cramp whenever a vampire is nearby. <laughs> I cannot. I'm dead. Okay, this interaction. Let's talk about it between Buffy and Angel because I Wait, I just have wanna... a big question before. Okay, yeah, are really interrupted. I do. Go ahead. Yeah. How Spike come in in the beginning of the season yep, without an invite. There it is. Gosh, the season, dude. No, okay. Actually, so Tabs, Spike came in because Willow actually says come in. She told him to come in. But how did Sunday and her gang get in? Oh. True. Yeah, and they took all Buffy's stuff. So, again, inconsistent. So can vampires come in dorm rooms or not? How come me as a casual viewer notice that and then the writers, you know, not pick up on it? Tabby, you have a whole ass podcast. That was the joke. Did you not hear my tone of voice? (laughs) It was a joke. I don't know. Maybe um, Kathy was like, yo, come on in Sunday. Have at it, girl. Do your thing. It would be Kathy. (laughs) 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 Kathy's on hinge. They're like, I like your share poster. Thank you. Come on in. <laughs> you know, that actually could make sense because all the other people were typically killed off. So maybe they killed them and then they were able to enter or something. I mean, someone else lives there, though. They all have roommates. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, there's just too many loopholes. There's that. And as as the vampires, that's also not a great plan, as we were talking about before, because it relies too much on getting an invitation in there. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. This conversation between Buffy and Angel, though. Yes. I want to point out before anything else. uh Angel asks Buffy or says, Buffy, you're hurt. Like he sees that she's hurt. Riley doesn't. And he has a whole conversation. She has a huge ass bruise on her forehead and is bleeding out. He never asks where she gets it from. They both notice it about each other. Buffy first goes, you're hurt. And he goes, you too. And they and check then, in with each other. Kate, not only that, Sarah, but like he's just so tender with her. Like, like when when Riley comes in, this is kind of jumping the gun, we'll go back. But when Riley comes in and is holding the gun out to Angel, he knows he will survive. He looks at Buffy a few times and goes, put that thing away, or whatever he says. Because he knows Buffy uh, would not survive a gunshot wound. Exactly. He's nervous for Buffy because Riley is like looking delusional. So he's not thinking about himself. It's pointed at him. I think that's important that it's pointed at him because he's not thinking about himself because he'd survive that. But also the shot 
that they have when Riley comes in and points the gun and like the way that the echo of the click of the gun and the menacing piano music, they make Riley look super unhinged and like the bad guy. Well, I think the reason why like um, Angel is so tender with Buffy, besides obviously the fact he's in love with her, is Angel recognizes that vampire slayers are not immune they still are mm-hmm. fragile he's he's seen vampire slayers die whereas he himself has almost killed buffy whereas riley views buffy as this like unmovable force because mm-hmm. he doesn't understand that she's very much human and very much killable because she's so much more powerful than him so it's like he doesn't even like, when he sees a bruise on her or something like that, he's like, oh, she's Buffy. Whereas, like, Angel recognizes her job so, like, and understands her and her job so much more than Riley ever could. Well, can, can I speak on that, too? I really do feel like it, it's all in perspective of, of them seeing Buffy as a human being and understanding her. Whereas Riley doesn't see that. He sees the Slayer and he's intimidated by that. And so he's thinking, oh, well, I don't understand what she goes through. She's good. Like, whereas Angel's like, he sees Buffy and understands that she's multifaceted. She is hell strong. She is emotionally strong and mentally strong, but is also like incredibly like, she's loyal and sweet and emotional in a great way she's passionate like she's all of these things so like I also feel like him being like you too like you're hurt too is also him kind of being like I'm aware of what I said and I know you're going through a hard time as well it's more just it's more than just like the head wound like he just he comes in and immediately just sniffs things out and is so aware and like they just get each other but also it's just the contrast of Angel has to ask permission to come into her dorm room, obviously. But the highlighting of him having to ask to come in and then instead of demanding to come in and Riley just kicking in her door and coming in, the fact that Angel is, like you said, checking in with Buffy. And Angel even seems like he's he feels bad in that moment. Like he's like, oh man, like I shouldn't have, like he's already starting to realize, okay, this was dumb. I'm I'm making this worse and stuff. He is still being a little petty. Riley's not checking with Buffy. Riley won't take his eyes off of Angel. Riley is completely tunnel vision. He's only thinking about himself in this moment. And it's just very interesting. And again, we've talked a lot about how it's interesting that the show has Riley dressed in his uniform at certain times and they intentionally have Riley dressed in his uniform because there is still remnants of Riley's hatred for demons. And that's what he's pulling out right now here with Angel. Yep. I, my favorite line in this entire episode is when Riley's spewing some threat towards Angel. Um, and, and then he's like, that's some threat you can barely stand. <laughs> Trigger finger feels okay. Okay. Oh my gosh. And then she's like, after like Angel says some snarky comment, like you actually sleep with this guy. She like separates him. And I know we've talked about this, but like Angel gets like the yes. cushiony bed and then Riley gets slammed into like the dresser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, and then she's like, Riley, I need to talk to him. Um, leave the room. And he's like, I'm not leaving the room. And I just like, oh, I l- Angel's face kills me every time. <laughs> he's like, mm-hmm. She chose me. 
They actually, okay, so this is something I noticed. They actually changed a lot of dialogue in the script um, that actually made Buffy and Riley more tender and more lovey-dovey on each other. So when Buffy goes up to Riley after he says he's not going to leave, it says Angel watches as Buffy goes to Riley first. She stands close with him, making eye contact, touches his face, and speaks tenderly. But we don't have that. She just goes up to him and says, Riley, I need to talk to Angel for a minute. Personally, I think that we should always trust the writer's decisions to keep in certain things. I think that they really know what they were doing with the show. And I think that we should just trust their judgment. They're just doing the Lord's so work over there. Leah takes it back immediately the next episode. <laughs> yeah, only in this scene. Um, so they walk out into the hall and then um I just love that they're like like she kind of explains everything that what she was feeling. She's like, you ordered me out of your city and then you come here and stop pounding on my boyfriend um, after I come to LA to, to help you and you just treat me like one of your ex or treat me like an ex. Um, and then he just goes, well, I was trying to make things better. And I just love how like they're both laughing knowingly being like, oh, I understand your point. And then this is all just stupid. And so they all just start laughing. And I just like, this line that Angel says where he's like, well, he, first of all, he apologizes like three different times. Mm-hmm. And I really love that. Even when Buffy finds fault in herself, which is a very healthy thing to do in an argument, mm-hmm. is to find fault in yourself and be like, you were right. Like, I shouldn't come and pass judgment. He still apologizes again. But then also, he sits there and goes, things are really tense around here. Like, he can just tell because he knows her and he knows the gang. And then he offers like his – hand or he offers his help or whatever um and then she doesn't even ask him to leave and he just gets it he's like got it i should go like it's just they just work and like this scene doesn't feel like it's fabricated like they did the work in their relationship to know that we know that angel knows buffy you know yeah and it it's so interesting because leia and i when we were talking about sanctuary one of our biggest frustrations about that episode is the way that Angel and Buffy fight in that episode is not organic to the characters. Buffy and Angel communicate far better than they had than they did in that episode, and this episode proves that. Um, that's not to say that you know Angel didn't have valid points and Buffy didn't have valid points, and that Buffy Buffy was very hurtful and snarky towards Angel, and Angel was biting back to her. Um, but this episode shows that they work so well together, that they are capable and have always been capable of really healthy adult communication. Um, and so I just and I this and so on that level, I just appreciate that. But on a on a separate level, this episode and this moment was written because the writers are trying to officially close the Buffy and Angel relationship here on the show of Buffy. They've already done so on Angel and in a really sad way because that's the last time Buffy's on the show of Angel and she leaves having had a really horrible fight with Angel and saying some really hurtful things. Um, but at least here on Buffy they leave it in such a way that you're like, okay, chapter closed, moving on. But there's also still kind of like the possibility of things reigniting sometime down the line. Yeah, in the it was definitely very um, like flirty when he was leaving. Yeah. Well, he was oh, like, yeah. I don't like him. And she's like, thank you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay right, like if angel. you were over him, <laughs> like if she's really over him and like my ex said that about my current boyfriend, I'd be like, okay, and like 
I'd be like, F you, leave. Yeah, but the fact she's like, thank yeah. you. I'm like, oh, can y'all just pee together for real? It's too much sometimes. I also really love that a very a variation of their theme starts to play right before she says that it means a lot. You hear their theme the most clearly on the piano. Then it switches over to strings. Then both the strings and the piano come together and it's just beautiful. And I really love that they brought that theme back. Sarah's the theme queen. I am. And it may, Hey, because the show was trying to tell you something. They bring it in okay, there. Okay, what, what do you say about Riley and Buffy's theme playing directly after this then? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, I have that in there. Well, yes, I have it playing in there, but um, it does not move me. And it... <laughs> it does not move me. She's like invalidated. Not the same thing. And therefore it's I not. deny it, reject it. Her heart is a rock. <laughs> oh, I'm dead. This is the first time where I actually felt like I heard their theme. Yeah, I was um, going to point out. Finally, here it is, guys. Yeah, for real. Actually, it's very pretty. It doesn't do me as good as the the Buffy and Angel one, but it is it is does have is strings there. in it. <laughs> we hear it, and it is there. Um, just to close out the Angel and Buffy scene, but okay. So the script the script actually says after Buffy says thanks, and it says Angel backs off again, and Buffy watches him go, then looks back to her dorm room. The smile vanishes. She takes a heavy breath and heads back inside. She's like, I gotta go deal with this motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, she she had party first, business second. Oh, God. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, we have to get through the whole Spike Adams scene real quick in the tunnels before we go to Buffy and Riley. I know we're dying to get to that scene, but (laughs) Um, Spike comes in all cheery and happy in a good mood because he's, like, spoiling the whole friend group. Um, And then Spike explains the whole Yoko factor to Adam, and then um, that's when you said, Sarah, that he's, like, a fan of... Whatever the Yeah. Um, and then Adam promises to get rid of his chip if he does one more thing. Boom, boom, boom. All right. Back to the dorm room. Um, so Buffy and Riley were actually supposed to be like embracing in this moment. They really took out all the couple stuff. <laughs> they in the did. They did. Let's make room for Angel. Yeah, it says Buffy's face is buried up against Riley's chest, but we can see Riley's face. He's deeply worried. They part. No, instead we cut to the both just standing awkwardly staring at each other. <laughs> but you know what I was thinking? Like Angel is kind of like the episode is called the Yoko Factor and Yoko broke up the Beatles. And in Riley's head, uh-huh. Buffy is about to break up with him because Angel is their Yoko Factor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. That's it. Yes. Oh, my little brain. I love how it works. <laughs> yeah. No, it feels very intentional. Okay, but also, so Buffy says, How bad are you hurt? And she's the one that has a freaking bleeding gash on her head. He's like, Honestly, I'm not, I've been better. She knows Angel beating him up. So she's just like, How bad did my man hurt you? She knows. She's like, Been there. <laughs> Same. Yeah, he beat her up before, <laughs> you know. My gosh, and then he goes, I'm so in love, I can't think straight. And she just goes, tell me about it. No, 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 no. Before that, he goes, wait, be first, Buffy. I feel like we've gotten really close. I was like, when? When? Yeah, when? <laughs> when did you guys Show get receipts. Close? Did I miss that episode or 
when did that? No, it was doomed when he gaslit her into hanging out with him. Oh, and then he says, I don't know much about Angel or your relationship with him. Dude, then why are you jumping to all these massive conclusions? But, you know, it kind of reminds me like what you said earlier, Sarah, about them having the villains be like, you know, the twirling the mustache how riley's like oh he was wearing all dark clothing and blah, blah, that, that was him going bad and i'm like bruh you literally saw him in dark clothes and just assumed like he went bad like granted he was beating up the initiative oh man so he confesses love and she might as well have said thank you at the end of that then they have like a <sighs> hug and i love how directly after that is that this like the l word did not mean anything to her she her brain just goes sorry about your bestie by the way he uh died rest in peace i'm so sorry like he literally just had a whiplash of emotions in less than a minute he's like i'm in love with you i can't think straight oh my best friend died got it i need to go (laughs) yeah okay this is just a weird episode. Why would you put Riley confessing his love to Buffy after it's been shown that Buffy clearly still cares about Angel uh-huh. and is still like upset about the things that happened with him? And then immediately after, not have Buffy actually say the words to him. And then Riley has to go because his best friend died. Like, yeah, it does this not is work. not setting up their relationship for success. At the pacing all. of this episode is all over the place. Passion the Nerd had a really great comment about this moment where Riley says, because I'm so in love with you, I can't think straight. He says, this is stupid nonsense. <laughs> the correct answer was, you're right. I'm being an ass. I'm sorry, woman of my dreams. I will do better in the future. Riley's answer was romantic code for, I can't be held responsible for my actions because you're so amazing. So it's on you. And worse, the music endorses how romantic his comment is supposed to be. The scene is played off as sweet and romantic, but it's icky because once again, Buffy is receiving responsible for someone else's emotions take responsibility for yourself riley and i to that i say yes i agree all right so he leaves and then we go back to giles's house where everything comes to head so the gang's here and will still trying to figure it out and i feel i feel bad for her really bad in this scene but i also understand like like buffy feeling like the huge weight, especially after everything that just happened of like being like, we need to get things going. Giles is like drunk, drunk. Um, <laughs> and then like, uh, like, I don't know. I feel really bad for Willow. Um, Buffy's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go find Adam. And then Willow's like, yeah, sure. You go do that. And then you'll have no arms. Like we need to come with you. And then she's like, no, Xander, you're not coming with me. And he is like, oh my gosh, his insecurities spike immediately. He was like, I feel useless. Like you guys are having your own thing without me. Will's like, no, it's um, you guys that don't have a thing without me. I'm going through my quote unquote changes. And then we see like uh, Anya and Dara just like slowly go <laughs> towards the bathroom yep. as they're going at each other. Oh my gosh. And then all of Giles' little comments in the scene were killing me. So funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. T- Anya and Tara is me during a family uh, fight when I'm just like, I don't want to be here when mom this and dad This doesn't fight. involve me <laughs> for real. Oh, that moment where Buffy – okay, I, I actually was really proud of Buffy in this um, this episode because I felt like Buffy stood up for herself quite a few times, and I was really I was really here for it. That moment when she tells Riley, have I ever given you any cause to not trust me? I was like, yes, yeah. thank you. Stand up for yourself. And then this moment when Xander's like, oh, you two are talking about me behind my back, and Buffy says, us talking about you. How about you telling Riley every last detail? Yeah. Angel? Uh huh. Oh, 
good for her, but also stupid writers for not delving into that. They never do when Xander does things. No, they don't. We will see that that is a pattern. They never do. Jaws is laughing at the Fort Sticks joke. They find out that he's like super drunk. And then Xander finds out that uh, Willow is in a relationship with Tara. Um, and then Willow, like, it makes me sad that like, they're thinking this about Buffy that like after that conversation and I really like I wish that this was a better conversation for her to bring it up and I know this is how fights work yada 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 but it's like I wish that she, she had just asked been like hey did you say this about me like what did you say you know like rather than being like you don't approve like you you're like wigged out by all of this um it's just a sucky conversation uh, and then we see Anya and Tara in the bathroom and they're like nice bathroom I like the tile <laughs> Fun fact, the voices that are arguing in the background, it's actually the argument in Pangs where Willow and Giles are arguing about what to do regarding the indigenous vengeance spirit. So it's not actually Buffy talking, which is kind of funny. Really? Um, and then we end the conversation with Giles going upstairs, uh, randomly declaring that he's go to bed. He's like taking off his sweatshirt clumsily as he's climbing up the stairs. And when he hears that Ter- or Willow and Tara in a relationship, he's like, here, like off screen so funny oh my god i never noticed that beforehand i that's so funny um and that it i don't know this last line of buffy is like sucky it's it's sad to hear but she's like i'm starting to understand why there's no ancient prophecy about the chosen one and her friends and then she leaves yeah because the chosen one's friends sucks and yeah (laughs) uh it's hard because buffy's number one fear is being alone and unworthy of love. And it's so hard because this episode plays on both of those insecurities. The fact that she, that Riley doesn't trust her and stuff is probably also making her feel very alone. Um, And we're shown this in fear itself where the fear demon tells her that everyone will leave her. So Mark Field says, while the characters' insecurities and fears have been reemphasized during season four, many of them trace back to much earlier events. For example, during the fight in Dead Men's Party, Willow's attack on Buffy arose out of her sense that she was going through important transitions in her life and that Buffy hadn't been there for her. The same is true here. Willow wants to be a full participant in Buffy's life and for Buffy to be a full participant in hers. So when Buffy refused her help in this episode, Willow reacted just as she did in Dead Men's Party, as she did in Bad Girl, and as she did in the Iron Team. And Xander's concerns about feeling useless date back even further. In The Harvest, he got angry when Buffy wouldn't let him go with her to rescue Jesse. He says, I'm less than a man. Buffy played directly into those concerns when she said nearly the same thing now as she'd said then. You're not going, Xander. You'd get hurt. But it's just hard because... Like, I understand why Buffy's, like, sitting there, like, scratching her head on how she can rely on Willow and Xander when we know that she has. It's just, it feels very stupid that Willow and Xander are obviously in the wrong in this episode and Buffy's made to look like the bad guy. When it's like, what are you going to do against Adam? And Buffy literally already had someone die today, you know? So, it's just ridiculous. And this last line of hers, if I need help, I'll go to someone I can count on. I'm like, dude, Angel's leaving town. You better like hurry. Yeah, that's what I thought she meant. Like when I had rewatched it, I literally thought she was going to get and then I was like, oh, she's going to Riley. Okay. Why? Why Riley? I don't understand. After if anything that this episode has showed us, don't rely on Riley. Oh, man. What, what a cryptic way to end the episode. Oh, gosh. He walks over happen? to Adam. I wonder. Is he the so new villain? So excited to see. I don't think Adam's the new villain at all. I think he's going to become a Scooby. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're so right. 
oh boy, guys, come back next time to see what happens with Riley because we are all so invested in the storyline. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that was the Yoko Factor. Thank you so much for joining us, Chrissy. You made this so much more enjoyable and fun. I know. It's been so fun. Come back. I know. I'm really excited because um, I already know which episode Chrissy's coming on for season five. We've talked about it. It's the real me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be real fun. We're going to have a blast. And it's hard to believe, guys, that uh, season five starts in just like a couple of oh, weeks. Oh, I'm so, so excited, y'all. Cannot so excited. wait. <sighs> But all right, guys, thanks so much for listening. Definitely let us know your thoughts on Angel coming into town, on Buffy, on Riley, on Xander, on everything that happened in this episode. It's always interesting to hear what you guys have to say. As always, you can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, on Tumblr at Becoming Buffy Podcast. You can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. You can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash becomingbuffy, where you can hear our spoiler thoughts for this episode. Chrissy will be there as well. Um, and they're juicy and they're fun. So definitely don't, don't miss out on that. But anyway, guys, thanks so much for your support. Thanks so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Bye.